Hello, everybody. Welcome to Show and Tell number 25. Uh, we're all grown up. We can rent cars now. Uh, this is Caleb sitting in the virtual interview loft here at the Academy. Uh, Michael is out and about, so we're going to have some actual fun. And uh, I have two amazing... He always drags people down. He really does. No, I'm just kidding. Don't fire me. Uh, uh, as you've heard the two voices already, you know them, you love them. James and Kat from One Shot and Campaigns, they are here with me tonight. This is such an absolute treat, guys. Thank you so much for jumping on. Hi, Caleb. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for having us. We know and love you too, Caleb. Oh, I feel all the warm and fuzzies over here. Uh, but we are not here just to talk and chat and record it and put it on the internet. No, we are here to talk about something very cool coming from James and Cat and OneShot and the wonderfulness that is the OneShot network, how it is expanding. Uh, why don't you tell us what is going on tonight, guys? All right. Well, I think I'll start off by saying technically the project that we're here to talk about tonight is not affiliated with OneShot. Oh, I've already ruined. I mean, I've already no, the interview. you I'm didn't. Fired. James just, just did. Very technically, it is very affiliated. I think we're putting it on the box, aren't we? Are are we? I thought we uh, were. We we have not worked that out with Pat yet. That's that's a solid point. I thought we'd give the network some free advertising, but this is actually uh, the first game being put out by James's and my publishing company, Paracosm Press. Man, we just ripped open <laughs> the curtain on how bad an interviewer I am. Jeez. Hey. I should go back to school. We barely do research for any of the interviews that we do. <laughs> Although I think both Jim, or Jim, Alex, and Meg do thoroughly interview, like research their interviews. Consummate so. professionals, they, those kids. Yeah. Well, that, that just proves how good you guys are because you hire the people that do the work. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We hire the people that do the research for us. Um, but So Noisy Person Cards is a games project that Kat and I have been working on really just like towards the middle of 2015. Uh, like, wasn't it Actually, like November? The... Yeah. I think we started. No, it... We started in October. October. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like late October. Um, but... We uh, put together this uh, games project because Kat and I, with our publishing company, Paracosm Press, want to make games that sort of bring people in and uh, help them enjoy games in different ways. That's why we started One Shot together, and you know that's why we're moving forward with the games that we want to produce. Um, so Noisy Person Cards is a game that helps people approach role-playing the way we do, by getting them more comfortable with using voices at the table. Uh, it's a card game. I don't think we, we put that out there. It's a, a light party game uh, that's card-based and uses uh, matching mechanics similar to like uh, Cards Against Humanity or Apples to Apples um, with some changes to provide you with uh, a whole range of characters that are your, your standard fantasy things and then kind of zany takes on them um and then uh yeah. you match the character to a number of phrase cards written by ourselves a bunch of comedians and games writers uh and then say the phrase in the voice you think the character would have to one judge who picks a picks a winner yeah similar to your setup with cards against humanity or apples to apples you have a judge who's uh putting out that character card and everybody has hands full of phrase cards, and the object of the game is to say that phrase like the character that's put out in front of you. So, like Kat was saying, the standard fantasy fare of characters, you've got mummies and goblins and liches, and you're trying to challenge yourself uh, and challenge your voice by uh, making it distinct for each character. And the phrase cards are full of these wonderfully pithy little uh, comedy phrases written by... Like, Kat wrote, like, a huge amount of them, and uh, Johnny O'Mara wrote s of less of them, but they were all They're better than what better Kat than and I, I did. Yeah, Johnny's, Johnny's way better than what we did. Um, yeah, and that's that's the game in a in a in a little bite size. There's in, in the box that people would be familiar with, because there's yes, one there twist, is. right? Kat? Uh, there are these these <laughs> things that we call God descriptors. I think we just called them descriptors. Descriptors um, that you can use to uh, modify the feeling of uh, the the character. So words like sad 
uh, chuck that onto a ghost, and he goes from just being a ghost to a sad ghost, um, and uh, gives people a way to like filter cards out of their hand uh, and amp up the stakes for their friends around the table. Yeah, on the bottom, uh, on the re- like the reverse side of all of the phrase cards, uh, there are these descriptors. So, like Kat was saying, you can use it to mill out your hand because we found in a lot of games like this, like Apples to Apples and uh, like Cards Against Humanity, you end up with cards in your hand that you hate and that you just don't want to use. Uh, so to curb that, we created this mechanic that allows you to get rid of that card by perhaps on a turn that you don't feel like speaking, or even uh, if you're a judge and you just want to make the round more interesting, you can turn that card around and uh, apply the descriptor to the character, and you've suddenly made the round more interesting while also getting rid of your terrible card. Buddy, I am loving this thing where you say exactly what I said with a little extra flavor on it. Let's do this the whole interview. It's great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's the gist of it. That's, uh, it plays light, it plays fast, potentially, depending on how many people you have around. You can play with any number of people. Works, works great around three to, what, six, seven? Um, to keep things kind of fast. Uh, places I'd recommend it when you're, when you're drunk. Uh, that would be a great place to just get into it. Uh, also, before the start of a game, as a warm-up exercise, to loosen up the vocal cords and get everybody kind of in the mode. Yeah, there are a couple times, like on Critical Success, uh, people would email in asking me for like improv exercises that they could do with their group at home to like get warmed up or, you know, just uh, test their skills in different ways. And I didn't really know too many games that people would be willing to play uh, because we have a lot of warm up exercises in improv, but they're not the sort of thing that like you would be able to get a table full of gamers to agree to. And that's kind of why we like the format of Noisy Person Cards, because it's a familiar presentation. It's based on games that everybody knows, um, but it allows you to get at this voice acting thing, which is something that only a small segment of our community feels really comfortable doing. That's something that was also important to me about the design of the game was that we didn't make it completely insular. So uh, that's uh, we took pains to make it accessible to folks like my mom or children who have like generally some of these ideas but aren't really like super grognardy about stuff. Um, so I think that it can play for a variety of audiences. Um, speaking of making it child friendly, um, it is a beer and pretzels game. So there's a bunch of uh off-kilter jokes. Um, as, Sex, violence, and rock and roll. As you would expect, as one would expect. Um, but we have taken pains to mark all of the potentially sensitive material. So the majority of the game functions as a product for children under the age of whatever you parent feel is correct uh, to play the darn thing. <laughs> this is a very wonderful project. Aw. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. The, uh, the the mechanics that this game follows is one of those mechanics that is almost stupidly simple, but not enough games take advantage of it. Uh, but the games that do take advantage of it do it in a very excellent and unique way. You guys have taken the concept that was, I might be wrong in saying this, but probably founded it, uh, by Apples to Apples, because that's the first game that I knew that did this type of thing. Me too, yeah. Um, it ha- it evolved over time. Obviously, Cards Against Humanity is the thing you think of when you think of this type of game. And it took the concept in an entirely new direction. And here with Noisy Person Cards, you guys have taken it yet another direction. Well, I can't claim that innovation is exclusively ours. Noisy Person Cards was deeply influenced by another card game that's actually from Chicago called Utter Nonsense. Uh, And it has a very similar setup uh, where you have phrase cards and you have accent cards. 
Uh, so it'll say something like French or English, and you try to speak in that accent reading your cards. One of the things that the cat and I found, because we actually played this game, Cat's first experience of this game was on a stage interview that we were doing for a thing called The Geek Show, which is yeah. a great- thanks Geek Show. <laughs> thanks Geek Show. Um, but we, we, we read these and like one of the accents that came up was Indian. And it's like, oh, I, as a Caucasian dude, do not feel comfortable performing an Indian accent like- on a stage. And I think even like privately with my friends, I really don't feel like I would want to do certain accents because they, they rub me the wrong way. They, it feels like coming out of my lips, that's offensive, but Kat and I still love that performance mechanic. And, right. We're yeah. pretty passionate about silly voices. That's a, a thing <laughs> that our friendship is deeply based in. Um, and, uh, like I like the intent of that game, but there's just some bits of it that weren't really up to James's and my tastes. Uh, and also that didn't suit our purposes as a tool for furthering voice acting and role playing ability. Yeah, because like accents, accents are one thing, but we also wanted people to focus on things outside of uh, what you'd encounter in the mundane world. Uh, and we know that you know D and D is obviously one of the most popular role playing games out there. So we wanted to uh, give people familiar ground to be on and give them something that would give them skills that they could directly apply to their games at home. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and then scratch off my question on my list here. That was how did noisy person cards come about? Because y'all just jumped right into that one. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, you're just doing my work for me. <laughs> yeah, you're so good at asking questions, you don't even need to ask them to get the answers. <laughs> Let's go with that. Uh, I think what I like the most about Noisy Person Cards, it functions on a lot of different levels. It's that great warm-up game that you guys mentioned. It's a great casual party game, maybe to involve family members who are new to gaming, are not comfortable with a crazy detailed board game or card game or role-playing game. But it's also a little bit of here's a way to figure out how to role-play game. Mm -hmm. Because even me personally, I am including myself in this, a lot of role-players feel a bit uncomfortable even when you're sitting around with close friends and family, making up those voices, really trying to jump into acting the part not just saying in third person, okay, my character goes over here and does this. And it's absolutely a trait that a lot of people have naturally, but I think a lot of people also need to learn how to do it. And sitting down with noisy person cards, this is a very, hey, we're all going to kind of make fools of ourselves for half an hour. Let's just learn how to do that and be comfortable with it. Yeah. And, and to that, I really have to credit Kat with that part of the design. Because I think when I originally pitched the idea um, after playing Utter Nonsense with her, I was like, oh, man, voices are so much fun. Let's, let's, let's do a game that's like really focused on voices and, and that sort of thing. And I was like very far in the deep end. And Kat pulled me back. and was like, well, well, we could do that. Or we could make a game that helps people who aren't quite there with us. And uh, like she also helped us develop a mechanic for skipping, which is one of it turned out to be one of the coolest like things that we did with the game because our game, like, even though it's cool, it is a direct ripoff of like all these other games. Uh, but the uh, descriptor mechanic is something that we had put in there. Like we know we want to use these descriptors, but we don't know how. And Kat came across a voice that she was not a fan of. And she's like, hey, we can use the descriptors to pass over voices when we don't want to use them. And it's still a way to be involved and have fun by making other people do progressively sillier voices. And then a bunch of people helped us refine that over testing and talking. Like Sam Kay, our good friend, was one of the main people who helped us figure that one out. And then uh, amazing shows like Metatopia uh, that... We were able to see this thing in action and get it uh, not too much further from 
where it started to where where it wound up. It's a very simple game. <laughs> it's deeply simple. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's the, we've had a lot of cool people behind this thing, uh, and I've been surprised and delighted how fun it, it's been to turn this, this game into a reality. That's cool. I think anyone involved in our hobby always has that mindset of how does game design work? <laughs> yep. And obviously we all have that dream of... Let's make a cool role-playing game. But understanding the mechanics of how a game goes from conception through testing to existing in reality, what we're seeing here with Noisy Person Cards, this is a great study, a great under-the-microscope of what it really takes to figure out a game. Uh, with everything you guys have been talking about, I feel like uh, you're also really describing the philosophy of Paracosm Press. So ding ding ding, you got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh so really beyond noisy person cards, I know we're looking big picture into the future a little bit, but what are you guys wanting to do with Paracosm? Oh, that's an interesting question. Kat, I think you're more equipped to answer this than I am right now. Um, okay. Well, I'll take the real, I'll make it real, real big, and then you make it small, okay? Yeah, I'll put it in a box. You just create a monster. <laughs> okay. Well, we've already established that you guys are just going to repeat each other, adding in <laughs> yep. new details, so just go for it. Okay. I think one of the major problems with society is that- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Big make it picture, big, guys. Thanks. Big picture. Is that uh, we play war games as children. That's what we mostly focus all of the, like, our basic cultural games are things like tag that uh, teach a skill set that is grounded in war and competition. And something that I think is really cool about the sorts of games that James and I play um, and try to showcase through one shot... Uh, the One Shot Podcasting Network, excuse me, um, are that they're empathy games. They they teach you how to socially relate to each other better, um, put you out of your comfort zone, uh, teach a lot of skills that aren't really focused on, at least in the part of the world we live in. Um, and I see people in playing them become better, more well-rounded, more interesting people uh, who who are open to new experiences and willing to put themselves in another person's shoes. Um, and I want everyone to play those games from a young age and not have it be stigmatized in any which way. Um, so Paracosm Press is here to me to help make that a reality. Um, and the, like the, the, to bring role playing in the U S and other countries where this isn't already true, uh, into the family gaming experience yeah and i to try and fit that grand vision into a smaller box i will say initially with our first couple products what we want to do is create products that start bridging the gap between more familiar types of gaming and role-playing games and like with noisy person cards that is very transparent and obvious uh what we want to do um, the next project, like, I, I don't even know, like, how far in the pike because I'm so focused on just getting this done and getting it in people's getting hands. Getting this one done. Um, but uh, Kat and I, because it sounds so funny, uh, thought that we the next thing we might do would be noisy person scenes or NP scenes, which is <laughs> a, like, a little bit more advanced level where you're taking some of these characters uh, from noisy person cards and you are improvising a small scene as part of a party game environment. And obviously that is, that, that's taking an advanced level of skill and it's going to be something that we have to play with and work around. Uh, but that's definitely something I want to do. The other thing... Uh, are we going to talk about the pipe dream that we're doing? Oh, the oh, I wasn't going to talk about the pipe dream. I was going to talk about another silly game that I was inspired about. Okay, uh, go for that. Yeah, it's something that I was actually talking to Alex Roberts about. Um, after I had played, I played this wonderful game at Metatopia called Ghost Court uh, that was designed by Jason Morningstar of uh, Fiasco fame. Um, and Ghost Court is a party LARP. It is a card deck that assigns you roles for a Judge Judy type courtroom drama 
where the like the judge is a ghost and it is a courtroom full of ghosts and it is minor civil grievances between ghosts and living people. So it's like it's such a good game. It's such a dumb, fantastic game. And the idea that I had while watching Antiques Roadshow with my girlfriend was, man, couldn't we have an Antiques Roadshow type game where adventurers bought the treasure yes! that they just brought back? James, yes! That's from monsters and did that. And like, so I kind of want to do things like that. Things that are, you know, these are improv scenes. These are things that you do when you play role-playing games, uh, but you don't really think of them as this bigger, scarier, oh crap, I'm being expected to perform in front of people uh, while making it up and not having something to fall back on. So I, I want to take those like smaller, th- those big ideas and put them down in a smaller box so that people can approach them so that when they do encounter games that are more advanced, they can go, okay, well, I've already played noisy person cards, so I have no problem doing silly voices in front of people. But now, back to the Grand Vision, Cat. Well, so I, let's not call it the Grand Vision. This is one of many pipe dreams. The uh, schemes. I, I think the way to to like frame this is we're also interested in... Uh, uh, gamifying different types of experiences that like people that people encounter in a gamic fashion already but um haven't like outside of say your live journal group haven't been able to like turn into mm. uh around the corner on mainstream gaming um such that people like consider it a legit way to role play um so i would love to help be a voice for those 14 year old girls who are doing their thing um and uh let them know that other people are doing it too but that's Kat, not I, th- mm-hmm. I i think it would be good if you explained a little bit more about that type of role playing because okay I am not making any judgments, but I think a lot of RPG podcast listeners are white men and might not have had that experience. Okay, yeah. Well, we also have a breaking story here. Live journal is still a thing. <laughs> well, it mostly takes place on Tumblr now. But as a teen, I would make role-playing blogs uh, and like join different groups with, with other ladies. And we'd pretend to be people from um, common, from like popular fiction, like Harry Potter. Um, there was one that I was in that was in like a uh, Harry Potter battle royale sort of thing. And you kind of play by post or write journals entries to each other and flesh out a world together in an AU or one-on-one you jump onto AIM and write some steamy fan fiction together. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was up to as a, as a teen. And I think a lot of other ladies were as well. Uh, and boys, but. I didn't feel comfortable talking about this sort of thing until I hit college at least. And then probably only to James until like now. Um, yeah, just because just... like my parents didn't know what to do with it. Uh, none of my real life friends did any of that. And I think it would be great to show those kids that, hey, no, this is normal. And there are cooler ways you can do it that aren't as emotionally fraught and intrusive as this like... Uh, dubious consent play by post thing. Yeah, and when like when you think of it, it is role playing. It's something that I don't think a lot of people who do it would identify that as role playing, and certainly people in the role playing games community would not identify it as role playing. But it would be nice to construct games that make it, as Kat was saying, like a safer, uh, more consent forward environment, um, but also make it more gamic and playable. And transitioning that into the pipe dream, taking it all the way to its natural extension, James and I really, really, really want to remake the book of erotic fantasy. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, man. Okay. Kat and I have had only a couple <laughs> We've uh, discussions Caleb. about this. Yes. Uh, so for so- some people might be familiar with one of our favorite 3.5 supplements, <laughs> the book of erotic fantasy, which was largely... Trash. It's garbage. Hot, sexy trash. It's not, it's not sexy either. It's not even sexy. That's the best part. Uh, okay, but if you're 14 or 15 getting into Dungeons and Dragons, that is the best damn book it, ever. Uh, it, it carried that parental label right on the cover. With mm-hmm. I, I don't want to insult any artists, but the cover art for that book is not very good. It's from... It looks like... 
It looks like the year 2000. I'll just it say. looks like the year yeah. 2000. <laughs> that is hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. Um, but like Kat and I really like, if you listen to Campaign, you know this already, we love including interpersonal relationships in games and making them one of the primary draws of the role-playing experience. And there are role-playing systems that, that do this, um, but they're not, a lot of people will cut it out of their home games, which is kind of insane when you think about it, because most adventuring parties are made up of people in the prime of their life, like 20s to 30s, and they're all attractive, they're all very physically fit, and they are constantly surviving life-threatening situations together. It's insane that not only do none of these people kiss... None of these people have any thoughts about each other. Like, it's crazy to me how many parties that I've I, I've been in where I really don't know what the other characters thought of my character beyond I was the sorcerer providing the spell support that they needed to get through the dungeon. So our dream for a new book of erotic fantasy would be one that allowed people to bring in themes like love and sex into their games. Very similar to Numenera's Sex in the Ninth World, uh, taking some of those ideas and putting it in a fantasy context, along with including some of our fun, cool, stupid story hooks for uh, romance-based roleplay. And ridiculous things like charts of likelihood of different species being able to breed, because that was my favorite part of that dumb book. <laughs> and a nine-panel grid explaining sexual desire. Yep. <laughs> he can't even speak. I've, I've got nothing right now, guys. <laughs> I love this idea. I love all of it. It's all wonderful. Oh, thank you. It's... It's one of those things that, and this is probably maybe the fifth time I've said this today in other contexts, it's one of those things that I've never thought about, but when you bring it up, your point is absolutely right. Everything you guys you guys were talking about, going backwards a little bit when we were talking about your goals uh, for everything you were doing with Paracosm, to coming forward to all these wacky hijinks that are going to happen... It, it's it's different, it's refreshing, but it's something that, yeah, why wasn't I thinking of that? Why doesn't that exist? Why didn't I incorporate this kind of thing before? So you guys are taking advantage of your strengths as gamers, as role players, as podcasters, and taking it that next evolutionary step, just really solidifying uh, uh, what's coming next. So I'm very pleased to hear what your plans are going forward. <laughs> Thank you. And one of the cool things about gaming and innovation is I don't even think of what we're doing as what's coming next. I feel like it's more like what's coming different because there are tons of people in the industry right now innovating those familiar models that we see. Like, if, if you think of the OSR movement, they are looking back, but they're incredibly innovative in the way they're producing new games and getting those same experiences they had with older editions in a new form of role-playing game. So the, what we're doing and what they're doing, like it's all pushing forward the same thing. And we don't have to worry about the face of gaming changing. We just have to worry about what new people can come into the hobby and enjoy these experiences that we already love? Well, I think this whole conversation is kind of a light bulb moment. Uh, as an amateur game designer, game master, podcaster, I always have that. I don't consider you an amateur game master. Yeah, absolutely. What the heck, man? <laughs> what? I'm, I have a long way to go. <laughs> I'm my own worst critic, and I'm always uh, right. Okay. You can never change my mind. Uh, but thank you. Um, looking at my own campaigns, looking at my own random game ideas for other things I want to develop, it all goes back to what you said, Kat. The, the foundation for a lot of our games is conflict and combat. Even something like Monopoly 
you're you're fighting with money. <laughs> Let, let's be that's, honest. That's Monopoly. That's our society. But you're also but you're also fighting in real life <laughs> with tables when you pick them up and throw them. <laughs> but yeah, even all my ideas are very much okay. Here's a a conflict, whether that is actual fighting or whether that is simply making a choice. And here's a mechanic to resolve that conflict. In my own games, I'm very crunch and combat heavy because I I like telling stories through those methods. But light bulb moment, what we're talking about here is not changing what we do, but changing how we focus on developing a story and working mm-hmm. as a group. And as I love saying, what I'm most passionate about in the role-playing hobby is coming together in a social environment to share the telling of a story and to share an experience. So Agree wholeheartedly, yeah. And, and everything you guys have been talking about with Paracosm, it's expanding the boundaries of how we tell stories and it's making it more accessible. It's making it more, I don't necessarily want to say intimate, but it is. I don't think we're afraid of of saying that we're fairly intimate people. That's something. But I don't necessarily mean intimate as a sensual or sexual term. Totally. Obviously it carries both connotations. Yes. we're, We're talking about pretending to have sex with centaurs and, and minotaurs. So yes, that exists. We're going we're gonna to be honest about that. But in an intimate setting, when we're sitting around with friends, family, being able to say, yeah, let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about the social dynamic, not just let's pretend to hit things with magic. Totally. Uh, something that's very important, I think, uh, about Paracosm Press is that it's made, it's, it's James's and my thing that we're doing together. We're best friends, and that friendship is incredibly important, I think, to both of us. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. I would, I would confirm that. I won't that. go cry into my pillow now. Um, and uh, the, <laughs> we have a weird hierarchy in, in terms of how people view different types of relationships right now. There it seems to be, with romantic up at the top, and then familial, and then friends. And uh, that's really weird and screwy. Why would you do that? Because there can be intimacy and closeness found at lots of lot within lots of different types of relationships. So uh, yeah, I fully welcome the term intimate, not just as a sexual thing, um, but as something that's just meant to indicate closeness between people. We are about that. Well, I think it's really interesting that we're having this conversation right now. Uh, we are recording our actual play campaign over on the RPG Academy. Uh, it's a game I'm running. It's a campaign we called Rod Iron. Last night we recorded, it was strictly role play. We didn't really pick up the dice ever. And it was the weirdest session ever because it was all about an awkward family dinner. Yeah! Oh, that's so good. And I, we had planned that that was going to happen. So I knew going into the gaming session that was going to happen. And in my head, I said, okay, we're going to have this thing. It's, it's going to resolve. And then we're going to go on into the next part of the adventure. And we're going <laughs> to mix it up with a little bit of combat. Right. And some whatever. Because I said in my head, as a game master and as a podcaster, I need to balance out the, the episode. I need to start in one right. place and then transition to kind of involve everybody. And we just got lost in this role play. Mm-hmm. And we finished the, the night and we were done recording and we all looked at each other and we said, we've never done anything like this before. And we were all kind of shocked at how awkward it was. And it was so real. It was so... <laughs> That's exactly what happened at my last family reunion, sitting uh-huh. down talking to my cousins, and it was horrible. And we just pretended that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, th- well, that's that's the fun thing. I what what I love more about role playing more than anything is the thing that can happen in real life and in the game is talking. 
Like, no matter what, you can talk as your character. You may or may not be able to do crazy parkour tricks and, you know, have a gun battle on a rooftop, but you can certainly speak and your character can certainly speak. So the parts of the role-playing session that are real are those conversations. Those conversations are really happening. And in those moments when you're speaking uh, as your character and particularly in your character's voice, it is your character speaking and that conversation is really happening. And that's kind of magic. And I think that was a wonderfully done transition there, James, to bring us back to noisy person cards. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. As uh, as not only reminding us really what you guys are trying to do with Paracosm Press, but the fact that Noisy Person Cards is at its heart a tool to help people get better at that skill. So uh, let's let's look at Noisy Person Cards. You guys uh, have a print and play trial version out there, so listeners can figure out what it really is, get their hands on it, play around with it. Uh, but this is also going to come into reality via Kickstarter very soon. Yes, yes. Uh, so right now that print-and-play version is out there. Um, if people are curious about the game, you can head over to paracosmpress.com slash NPC. That's P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M press.com. Uh, there you can download the free print-and-play edition. That print-and-play edition is one-fifth of the size of the actual game. Uh, and that print and play will let you play for like a good hour or so. So you can really take your time to sink your teeth into it um, and see what it is. But yeah, we want to bring this into a physical reality with beautifully printed cards. And that's really cool. I didn't know that the sample size was so small because there's a hell of a lot crammed into there. And Oh, it's a full game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can play right. that. I thought this was kind of a, oh, here's what we're going to have and send to the printer kind of example. No, that's not true at all. No, no, no. We, we're, not giving, we're not giving away the whole thing for free. It's just a taste. Oh, man. You guys learned from <laughs> the right people about how this sample thing works. <laughs> yep. Drug uh, dealers. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but sure. Yeah. Their biggest gaming inspiration is drug dealers. <laughs> Anything's under the artist's scope with these role players. Have you played Empathy, the 3.5 adventure that Pablo Escobar put together? It's really no. good. Yeah. Uh, Pablo Escobar obviously being one of the most famous drug lords of all. Okay. I guess that, that flew over some heads. <laughs> okay. All right. We're going let's, let's yeah. to pull cancel up that Wikipedia. Bit. um no i i really enjoy just scrolling through everything that you guys have in here uh seeing the different types of characters seeing the different cards uh obviously everything is skewed towards that uh typical fantasy game genre but that's a genre uh that we all know very well it carries tropes we all know very well the uh the cards that you guys have really are highlighting the funny things about the genre and they're all the things that we've kind of said in our own games so it's not it's not like any of these jokes are completely inaccessible to yeah to our type of people so but they're also funny for anyone who doesn't know the genre or doesn't know gaming so you have that really solid balance um I will, of course, put the link to everything in the show notes so people can go click on that. But more importantly, we are going to be having the the link for Kickstarter because Noisy Person Mm -hmm. Cards will be on Kickstarter. And why don't we talk a little bit about what's happening with your Kickstarter campaign, uh, what your goals are. We'll talk about the pledge levels a little bit, really get down to it. All right. So we need to make this game a reality, $32,000. That covers... Uh, all of the printing, the like the initial print run, the distribution, uh, paying the artists, um, r- like peeling back the curtain a little bit. All the artists have already been paid. Like uh, the artists have been paid. Uh, we still need to send money out to some of the writers, but the game is mostly just fully paid for. Uh, and what we need is to compensate uh, the person doing layout, the wonderful Palomi. Uh, we have been working with her on this since the beginning, and it has been just so great. 
Um, and she's done. Palomi Pratap, hire her for your game design projects. Yes, yes. Um, and pay her lots and lots of money. Uh, so she did all the layout and the graphic design. Um, that needs to be paid. Cat and I need to be paid. And I need all of the lost wages that, <laughs> that I poured into paying all the artists. Um, yep. <laughs> but yes, $32,000, we'll get that. Uh, we are also using a distribution company. Um, and so th- that way, Cat and I are not actually packing these things and shipping them out. We're going to have people who know what they're doing do that. Yeah, I don't trust us at all, ever. Yeah, That's there will be the... fewer mistakes. Uh, I have, I'm constantly impressed by small press publishers who can put out their own stuff. That's an amazing feat. But I know that James and I are not those people. We cannot do that. No, we are not them. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> um, let's see. So that's where everything goes so far. That's like the, the basics. Uh, let's talk about if we get more than that, what it'll turn into. So we have only one stretch goal for this project. Um, Like, obviously, if we get more money, we will be printing more units. um, But that'll be like, that's something that we decide behind the curtain and could not possibly affect people consuming the game. So we didn't really think about advertising it. Uh, The one stretch goal that we have is when we were developing this project, one of uh, our listeners uh, from the podcast approached us and was like, hey, what do you guys think about doing an NPC app? And we were like, well, that sounds like a lot of work and an we, insurmountable effort. Yeah. yeah. We don't Yeesh, know how to Andy. do that. Mm-hmm. And like, you'd have to change the game so much. And he was like, yeah, but like if I, I, I'm an app developer and I would like to help with that. And when we're like, okay, we'll consider it for the Kickstarter. And then a couple of weeks ago, he delivered to us a working prototype for an npc app and And it's beautiful it looks really cool the game done changed in that moment uh so if we hit seventy thousand dollars we will give him the money to develop this app uh that stretch goal will not unlock the app for free for the people who backed but uh it will make it so that the app gets developed and people will be able to purchase it for you know a reasonable amount of money to pay this person which would be amazing for me because then I don't have to carry around a pack of cards with me everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, then uh, we're also doing social goals. Do you want to talk about those? Let's talk about social goals. Uh, social goals are something that I have a lot of feelings about. Um, they are a fairly recent Kickstarter innovation um, and they've been taking the game world by storm like seventh c the unbelievably successful game uh used social goals incredibly effectively uh masks used social goals uh most of the uh, projects coming out of monte cook use social goals and social goals for those who are not in the know uh, are ways for uh, fans and backers to unlock things in the Kickstarter, not by spending more money, but by doing more to make sure the project reaches other people. Uh, so we've set up uh, thresholds for if backers decide to retweet an ad for the Kickstarter that we'll have pinned to the Paracosm Press Twitter feed, they will be able to unlock previews of the art by the different artists that we've gotten involved with our project. Some of those people being, uh, golly, Sean Pope, Molly Ostertag, Jess Fink, Eric Colossal, Will Kirkby, a whole lot of really cool kids. Yeah, super, super talented folks. Uh, So you will be able to see their contributions to the project if you retweet us. Uh, We have also, in the upper echelons of some of our most ambitious levels, decided to put expansions to Noisy Person cards. Uh, Now, a lot of uh, Kickstarters include expansions uh, that will be shipped out with the game. Uh, That would be a little bit too expensive, and I think it would make our Kickstarter one of those disaster Kickstarters. This is our first Kickstarter. (laughs) We're just going to take it a little easy. Uh, So what we decided to do, if people do something like uh, share our... Uh, post on Facebook that we will have pinned to the no- the NPC uh, page, which you can actually visit and like right now. If that gets shared 3,000 times, which is definitely ambitious, but if you guys manage to pull it off, we will create NPC expansions that will be available on drive-through cards uh, for print-on-demand when NPC ships. 
So right away, you'll receive your game, and if you like your game, you can go onto drive-thru cards and print out the expansion uh, for a small fee and have it as part of your game. Can I say what the different levels are for those? Like what the three expansions we're thinking about are? You absolutely can, Kat. Okay, so uh, for people following the Paracosmist uh, Twitter account, that is our publishing company's Twitter account, if we get 3,000 of you guys, which is, we we understand, highly ambitious, that unlocks Space Battles, which is technically not breaching any sort of copyright. (laughs) Which is legally distinct from any familiar sci-fi space opera franchise. That might have taken place somewhere else uh, during a different time period. And may or may not have had a trailer drop today. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. It's hard to say. We do know that it is legally distinct from that if it did have a trailer drop today. Uh... (laughs) But that's definitely inspired us, by that. If you listen to campaign, you know that we have material for for this. Please let us make it. Um, the the next thing, uh, the the Facebook post shares. If that gets to th- uh, three thousand, we're gonna drop a superhero expansion. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one I'm personally most excited about is backers onto the Kickstarter itself. If we get three thousand backers onto the project, uh, we're going to make a sixty card print expansion called the Underwater Expansion for Rich. Uh, that's we have a friend <laughs> whose Rich name Howard. is Rich. Oh, are we allowed to? I didn't want to. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to make. No, Rich is know. Rich is a member of the Rich is RPG a media. Rich yeah. Howard, we really want to make an underwater expansion for you. Yeah, so if you guys people to back our projects. If you guys are familiar with the wonderfully kind uh, Rich Howard from Tribality.com, who has a lot of independent design projects, uh, who was like at the head of the wave of developing fifth edition content. Uh, he is also a marine biologist and pretty passionate about making sure there are more underwater spaces for adventure. And so we will create a Noisy Person Cards deck tailored to his tastes. It'll make you fully feel out the different types of underwater voices available to you. You don't just have to do like a fishman or a pirate. There's more than that out there. <laughs> I don't believe you. just you wait you'll see so there you go guys you have to get to 3000 just to prove me wrong yeah get to 3000 like and these are expansions that we are thinking of doing anyway but if you if you unlock these through the social goals you will get them when the game is finished as opposed to when we get around to them and the measure of time difference there is vast yeah, months and months. Um, yep, and that's that's pretty much how it goes. That's the more or less the entirety of the Kickstarter, except for this uh, contest. Yes, uh, Kat and I are trying to push social goals a little bit farther, so we're doing an experiment called the Noisy Person Contest. And the Noisy Person Contest is simple. Uh, we will we we're giving a free prize away to someone, and the way you earn this prize is by recording a video of yourself saying the phrase, may the great dragon tyrant... What, what, may the you have- great dragon... I got it. May the great dragon tyrant bless you with his merciful wrath. And you have to say that phrase as a kobold. You'll record that video and post it to one of your social media outlets, like Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Um, and then send- With a link to the Kickstarter. With a link to the Kickstarter in the description. Then you will send a link of that video to us at npc at paracosmpress.com. Uh, that link, like we, we will select from the people who have submitted uh, a video to us a winner. And that winner will guaranteed win a free copy of Noisy Person Cards. However, the more people who enter the contest, the better the prize. At 100 participants, the winner gets a copy of the game and gets a phrase card featuring the name of one of their D&D characters added to the game. At 50 participants, which I know is is not progressing up from 100, but at 50 participants, <laughs> uh, the winner will have uh, myself or Kat produce 10 seconds of audio to their specifications. So this can be a voicemail answering message. It can be a ringtone. It can be, you know, one of our characters on campaign saying something that you've always wanted to hear them say. 
uh, you will get absolutely the, anything. The mad power of an audio god uh, if 50 people enter. <laughs> and then at the ludicrous number of if that 5,000 people enter, we will fly you to Chicago to game with us for a weekend. So uh, enter the contest yourself because it will help you win free stuff and help us promote what we love to do. And encourage your friends to enter because the more people who enter, the better the prize. Wow. (laughs) Once again, you guys have just done my job we've gone over everything <laughs> I, I, I felt like i really didn't need to be here you, <laughs> Sorry, this, this, this was just a vehicle to let you guys share your passion and excitement for what you guys We're just are just really noisy people sorry <laughs> hey that's the name of the game Wow. Well, Caleb, mm. it's all it's always fun talking to people on the RPG Academy because we we share a vision. Uh you you guys and us. We we want more people playing games and we want people to, you know, play games harder. Absolutely. We're not so different you and I. I think I heard it's that. It's a shame you have to die. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> wow. It is a shame. It's a, it's a <laughs> very bad shame. Yeah, please fight back. Don't let us do that. <laughs> Eh, I've done okay. Uh, um, you guys, uh, noisy person cards sounds amazing. Your goals with everything you are doing with the campaign, everything you are using doing with Paracosm Press, what you guys are putting together, your goals for the future, your passion for what you want to see in gaming is astounding. Everything you are doing, I am so impressed with. Uh, There are going to be in the show notes all the links to everything we've been talking about. This is absolutely something that uh, needs to be backed, will be backed, will be supported. This is going to be the start of a very cool chapter in both of your gaming and podcast careers. Uh, so th- Thanks, Caleb. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me tonight. Um, we do have one last thing to maybe Ooh. do, if you guys are willing. Um, on our show and tell episodes, we try to do a uh, choose-your-own-adventure style game. Yeah. And Yep, uh, we're in. <laughs> cool. We are really bad at remembering uh, but I took notes <laughs> from the last time. So uh, let's do a quick setup here. Uh, this is all based on decisions that previous guests have made. Uh, you are playing Nordling the Human Wizard. Uh, you were sent on a test by your master. You ended up facing a bunch of goblins in a cave. Uh, one thing led to another, and there was a giant river of lava. And you fell into it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, But then you woke up in your tower and uh, you were okay. And you found a note from your master. And the long and short of it is uh, your master is very worried about this horde of goblins that you discovered. He is going off to research and figure out what's happening for the protection of the area you live in. Uh, you were tasked with finding a, a companion and then going to meet your master in a nearby town. Uh, the last time we had one of these adventures, uh, Nordling decided to pack up his gear and then try to break into his master's private chambers to good, good possibly <laughs> acquire some useful magical items. There might be potions in there. Probably. Or a phoenix down. And, uh, but spelled with an F. Yes. And uh, <laughs> while you were doing that, there came a very loud and insistent knock on the door. Uh, so you are in a position of hearing this knocking on the door, but also uh, trying to quickly break into your master's chamber. So what happens next? Okay. Do we think Nordling's a cool customer? I mean... Or are they a frantic pit? Nordling sounds like a nerd wizard, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, but are you your name? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, 
Yeah, let's have Nordling hide in something then. Oh man, of course. Yeah, so uh, I guess, are there- A giant armoire! James, a giant armoire! He's gotta walk into an armoire. Yeah. Or a wardrobe. A wardrobe that's filled with fur coats. Maybe maybe it'll ha- have be a portal to another universe full of sci-fi stuff. We don't need to do the rest of that. That's Caleb's job. We just need to walk into the wardrobe. Okay, so you uh, you decide to walk into the wardrobe. Uh, it is full of fur-lined cloaks. Uh, but you definitely feel a back to the wardrobe. Uh, oh, darn it. <laughs> shucks. Darn the luck. Um, so you, uh, you nestle down into the back of the wardrobe. You hear the pounding at the door uh, grow a little louder, a little more incessant. And then finally you hear the door break open. Oh, my. And a, a very loud, heavy footstep is tromping through the wizard tower, which is your home. So what will you do next? Is there a peak hole somewhere in the wardrobe? Is it in the room or in the tower in general? Uh, Let's say that this was a wardrobe uh, on the landing next Mm -hmm. to your master's chambers. Cool. And yes, there's absolutely a peak hole. It is the keyhole. And there was not a key in it, so obviously you can look through it. Okay. So we get the fur coat that has the best patterned lining and then peek through the the keyhole. And what you see through the keyhole... Caleb, wait. You need to tell us what this fur coat's lining was first. That's very important to us. Um, This fur coat's lining is Displacer Beast Hide. Yes! Wow. Man, Very I'm cool. su- I'm surprised we grabbed it. <laughs> <laughs> we missed a few times. We yeah. just didn't realize it cuz it's really dark in the wardrobe. Okay. But then we peek <laughs> through that keyhole. Uh so you peek through the keyhole and uh what you see is a uh, a very heavy individual stomping about. Uh he looks very rough and rugged. You do not recognize him. Okay, is he human? He is humanoid, mm. but you are only looking through a keyhole, so it's really hard to tell. Well, Kat, I'm going to say that we were a shy nerd before we got our rad Displacer Beast cloak. Yeah. Now we're cool. Now we're definitely a cool kid. I think that the the slick thing to do before, because we don't know, hey, we don't know. We might be able to just talk to them. We might be able to, like, commiserate about how terrible our wizard is yeah. uh but we might also have to home alone them so let's let's try a uh prestidigitation down the hall uh just saying like hi who's there in the voice of the wizard that typically occupies the tower our master's voice i mean that's that's super solid wonderful so you cast your little cantrip spell uh and you see the form of this humanoid uh, shimmer and shake, and it transforms into a uh, four-legged scaly beast. It is actually a young dragon. <gasps> and, and this dragon uh, tears down the hall, and you hear it start to attack where you cast your spell. All right, we need to pour this guy a drink. Yeah, agreed. Our, our, we're romancing this dragon. We're romancing right? the dragon. Same page. Same page. Okay, good. All <laughs> you, buddy, you take so, it. So yeah, we go over to our our master's liquor cabinet and and pull out uh, his, his best elven gin, uh, which is a dry gin, of course. Um, I think it's very floral. Very juniper forward. I'm gonna say on that gin. Uh, we, we, we pour the gin, we get a great, we mix it because, you know, we like mixing opposites. Uh, humans and dragons, nerds and cool displacer cloaks, elves and dwarves. So we get a great dwarven, dwarven vermouth and we mix that in. We've got gin martinis. Uh, 
we put that, we pop that on a tray and totally smooth, go over to the ruckus. And what you actually see is this dragon, and uh, it is kind of at this point half-heartedly attacking this illusion that you have cast. And uh, you actually realize that uh, this is not only a female dragon, but she is crying. Oh, no. No! And... Because you're a wizard, you obviously speak Draconic, and uh, Mm -hmm. you hear her uh, crying and sobbing, calling out your master's name in sorrow. Hey, bright eyes. Uh, That's how you sound when you're speaking Draconic. Obviously. Oh, is that what that was? Okay. (laughs) That was a choice. Uh, She turns. That's the draconic accent. (laughs) That's canon. That's obviously right. You've set the bar for our other (laughs) guests at this point. Uh, You could write to one shot, care of. Uh, So she will turn and spin, raising her claws in an attack pose. Uh, but we hold out one of the gins in offering. Why do the water works? <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. I. <sighs> she takes a drink, downs it in one gulp. I was hoping to speak to your master. It has been years since we met, and. <sighs> it is time that he meet his offspring. Bum, bum, bum. End of episode. End of episode. Yeah. Yes. I am all about this adventure. Thank you for putting up with us, Caleb. Oh, I don't know what Michael's going to think when he hears this, but. Hey, that's a Michael problem. <laughs> that is a problem for Michael, and there's a problem for every other guest in the future. Wow. All right. Thank you guys so much. This was a wonderful conversation. I had a blast talking with you guys. I am so happy to hear about Noisy Person cards. I am so excited to see how far it goes on Kickstarter and everything that is in the future, uh, both for OneShot, for Paracosm Press, for both of you guys individually. James, Kat, thank you so much for spending time with me tonight. Caleb, thank you for spending time with us. This has been a real delight. Yeah, and when we get around to those projects that we were talking about in the future, we'd love to come back on the show and make your Choose Your Own Adventure story even more impossible for future guests. You guys both know that you have an open invite to the (laughs) RPG Academy. Just call me and say, hey, I need to be on the show tonight, and we'll do it. I don't care what's happening. Oh, wonderful. So uh, for James and Kat, for Michael at the RPG Academy, this was Caleb. Thank you all for listening. Check out the links in the show notes below for noisy person cards, and we will see you all next time. See you, heroes. Yay. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Can you can you hear me? Can you hear me? I you can't hear me. You can't hear me. You, you n- no no no. I you you can't hear me. Oh my god! <laughs> this is hell. Oh my god. So sorry, Caleb. No, I I love it. This is this is great. <laughs> I might just leave this all in the episode. This is just wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful radio. I'm not uh, even going to explain. Mug that. for time. Ba, 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 ba. Uh, he's typing. You can't hear me, and I don't know why. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGAcademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment 
and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at therpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.